Welcome to Rich Conversations. Lakshman Srinivasan joins us from Paris, France. And after discussing Paris, its work culture, actually our work culture conversation was so interesting to me because we're coming from like an American and Indian work culture experience. And like Paris is quite different. So I, I love that we explored that a bit. Uh, we also talk about Barcelona, FC Barcelona. Lakshman is a big fan. I also, uh, I was in Barcelona during El Clasico late April 2017. And uh, that was quite a memorable experience. I share that. But we also, we get into plasma physics and uh, we explore that and its application in the 21st century. Lakshman is working on some really cool stuff. He shares how he's built a reactor and he uses the elements gallium and nitrogen to create semiconductors. That is, that is awesome. Our conversation ranges from quantum theory and computing, teleportation, and the theory of everything, and so much more. This is a really enjoyable conversation. I'm excited to share it with you. You can follow him on Instagram at LakshmanN underscore. Now, let's begin. All right. Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is uh, going to be a very exciting episode. I'm, I'm excited. We have our first guest from Paris, finally. And Hello, all. Yes, yes. Uh, Lakshman Srinivasan, right? Perfect. <laughs> you mastered <laughs> it in one go, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> I, I, I try. It's hard, but I, I try to do it. Why don't you uh, briefly introduce yourself for listeners and viewers? Okay, uh, I am from the south part of India, uh, called Chennai. It's a metropolitan city, and most of the people uh, from from out, outsiders like uh, Europeans or from US, they know Delhi. Like fifty percent of them know about my city, which is like the southmost. And currently, I am living in Paris, and uh, I'm doing my PhD in uh, plasma physics at uh, Ecole Polytechnique. And it's been, I'm starting my second year. So it's been one year since I've been to Paris and I'm yeah. enjoying my life here. It's like creating a proper work-life balance between my studies and also like exploring the beauty of Paris itself. Yeah, describe uh, describe the vibe of Paris. Okay. I mean, since I've been here for a year, I can exactly chart you through the timeline of the vibes that I felt okay. and like the vibe in general. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, at first, it was magical seeing the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I mean, I, I would put at first at quotes, but yeah. I will explain to you later on why that is. Uh, it has a lot of museums. And for uh, people who are less than 25, I'm, I'm currently 24. And if you're a student, uh, you get free passes to all the museums out there. And that is a tremendous opportunity, especially for people who love, love art to visit these museums. And so you have your Eiffel, you have Louvre, and uh, you have churches, and you have like old buildings to visit. And the vibe is, uh, if you find the right places to visit, and if you find the... Uh, if you go to the right places at the right time, the vibe is magical. Mm -hmm. And the first time that I saw Eiffel was 
was at night with all the lights beaming oh yeah 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 i would i would uh, just capture that emotion and and like treasure it for the rest of my life wow. and that was magical for me and even the louvre and since i loved da vinci code i mean who doesn't love it uh when i when i visited inside and when i saw the glass pyramid itself it was another dream moment for me uh but otherwise the things that i love and uh, are the pastries and and like the best desserts in the world that is has them <laughs> and uh, it's like you get down at notre dame and uh, you just walk along the seine in the evening to the eiffel and you see like uh, people from all over the world just like it especially during the summer it will be buzzing throughout yeah. and it's an amazing feeling to be there and then once i got to know all of these places i mean it started to be a bit monotonous i would say like yeah it it felt good but it was like okay so what other cities can i visit <laughs> yeah but i guess uh, as a tourist you always have these magical vibes mm-hmm. because you don't stay there for more than 3 months but once you get used to it uh, i wouldn't say the magic dies down but i would say that it feels normal it feels uh, it doesn't feel a bit special but if you I mean, there are still a lot of an unexplored places in paris for me so if i visit them then it might feel magical again yeah there you go uh, <laughs> why don't you back up a little bit you said you're from Ch- chennai yeah exactly Okay and that's uh south you said southeast india yeah south east the coastal part okay what yeah. what was it what's the culture like there and how does it um how is that city unique from say delhi mumbai bangalore um oh. uh kolkata you know your places in india that's nice we yeah <laughs> we yeah india? Yeah, I I'm very interested in Indian culture. Uh we've had a number of uh Indians on this podcast and uh mm-hmm. uh I'm friends with someone too who lives in uh Jaipur over okay. over there. It's, yeah. It's, it's the northwest. Yeah. All right. So about Chennai, uh it's completely different from France or even from US because it's like uh you have a unitary culture here right mm-hmm. and you speak one language french in france mm-hmm. and maybe not not the same in others but in india you have 29 different languages and maybe even more with dialects in it and when you separate the north and the south it feels like a different country and from the south as you travel by to the north mm-hmm. when you go to each state the of course i mean the resemblance is there when you travel between states which are really close geographically but if you directly travel from one place that is my city chennai south to the north delhi yeah you'll feel like you'll feel that it's like a different country and chennai is known for its hospitality hospitality like the people are really friendly and the food is amazing but I guess in India everywhere the food is amazing right yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love uh, the south indian food and the culture i would say that i mean since i am from chennai i would say the people are more friendly there and you have a lot of temples to visit so if you're if you're a person who likes uh, ancient traditions and stuff you yeah. for, for you tamil nadu which is my state okay. and my city chennai i mean these are the places that you have to visit definitely 
Yeah. There's, there's so much history with Indian culture and so many. Uh... Yeah. No, it's, it's a lot to take in, in one podcast. I yeah. Have to yeah. yeah. This is a long history. conversation here. Uh... <laughs> so then, yeah, okay. So true. then what, uh, what events led you to now, now you're in Paris studying physics. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll start from my bachelor's. I did my bachelor's in India. So I did my bachelor's in my city itself in Chennai in uh, the field of electronics. And uh, you can always take electives in your bachelor's, right? So I took two electives, which was related to physics. And I just fell in love with the subject. And maybe the professors that taught the course had an influence on Mm -hmm. it, but I just loved those two courses. And I was thinking in my master's, I was first, I, I've, I decided to do a master's. Okay. Then I was thinking other, I mean, it would be too abstract to go from one that is electronics to directly to physics because you have a lot of overlapping concepts that will miss. And when you're choosing masters, you have to choose a niche field. You have to choose a field that you specialize in. And having, having thought about that, I thought, is there a course that gives me a connection between electronics and physics? And I found a course, Photonics, which, which is like the perfect bridge between electronics and physics. And uh, I found a course in Belgium. Uh, yeah. So I did my master's in Belgium in Ghent. Uh, do you know Ghent, the place? Uh, the city. So is that, is that like a famous institution there? Or is that a... Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, the university is Ghent. So it's Ghent okay. University in the city Ghent. So Belgium, okay. you, you, you must be knowing Brussels. Yeah, I know, I know Brussels for sure. Yeah, and Ghent is like one hour from Brussels, and it's in the Flanders region. So unlike Brussels, people speak Dutch here rather than French. Okay. So, so, you, so I went to Belgium. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, you're, so you went to Belgium. How many languages do you know? Currently, uh, you mean a literary le- level? I would say English and uh, my mother tongue, Tamil, and another language in India called Hindi. But the others, I'm all in the learning phases. Okay. I wouldn't say that I can speak uh, fluently. But in Belgium, uh, in Ghent, they they spoke Dutch. But since my university was uh, with international environment, I mean, I could get through with English. So it was fine for me. Okay. And it was a two-year master's. So... I was doing photonics and stuff like that, but I was more interested in semiconductors. So in my mm. second in my second year, I was wondering whether I have any Erasmus or like any exchange programs between universities. Okay. And then in my second year, I went to Sweden, uh, in a Stockholm in Sweden. Mm-hmm. So there is a university called KTH, okay. Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm. So I did my second year there and I, and I did my master thesis there. So by the end of my thesis, I, I had decided that, yes, I want to do a PhD and I want to do a PhD in physics, semiconductors, and involving both of these. If I can find any, then it would be amazing. And right at that moment, when I was looking for PhD positions, the position of plasma physics in France uh, attracted me. It just fell right into my lap. And I was like, okay, let me apply for this and see what happens. And this was just when I started my master thesis, which was like 
eight months before the end of my master's. I was okay. just browsing through options and I got this. And then I, I attended interviews and it was a fun conversation with my supervisor. And that's when I knew that I belonged there, even though I didn't clear the interview at that moment. I mean, I was still waiting for results. But afterwards, I kind of had this uh, sense that, yeah, I, I would get it. And like, Paris is the place that I belong. So, <laughs> wow. And, and yeah, and then uh, after finishing my master's, after defending my thesis, I just took a break for a month and I went to India and then came back to Paris and started my PhD. Wow. So, yeah. so you were in Ghent and uh, the master's is uh, like a two year program. So, yeah. w- what made you decide? Well, I want to finish it in Stockholm. You just wanted like to do something new, or uh, basically, I wanted to explore different places too. Because yeah, okay, I know that I, I can go to another place and study the same. I was really interested in the courses in Ghent, but it, if it can be taught somewhere else, and if it can, if I can know the place, another place yeah. even more, then it would be good for me. And Stockholm was a rich experience for me especially with the yeah. weather because it's kind of since it's a bit in the north it's really different from all the other european cities you know yeah i can imagine yeah and especially uh where you're from in india too yeah but 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 you know what the hardest part is i mean i'm i'm from a place where the sun is scorching but i love that weather i never hated that weather yeah <laughs> but when i go to colder countries I'm like, I'm just waiting for the summer to come. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Like if, if these credits and everything I'm doing transfers over, I'd like to, you know, learn, learn over here too. And yeah. then, uh, so then Paris, like that's, uh, like you said before, it's magical. And, and, you know, starting off, it was, it was so beautiful too. Um, Paris too. It's such a, major city in the world it's cool to be studying physics there i imagine <laughs> right i get i guess uh it kind of uh, i would say paris but when i say that it's magical and when i say that i study physics it's like two opposite ends of it if i was studying <laughs> art or any other cultural history behind it then then it would uh, like merge together and I can yeah. know a bit more, indulge in the culture a bit more. But physics and Paris, I would say I, I'm getting the best of both worlds, but I am yeah. also, it, it's it's a bit hard to, you know, enter into both worlds and get to know more about it. Yeah. What what school in particular is it that you're at? I'm at uh, Ecole Polytechnique. Ecole Polytechnique. Nice. So it's in Palazzo. It's okay. it's like in the other side of uh, of my place, Anthony, and it's not exactly in Paris. Okay. So it's like 10, 15 kilometers from Paris. How often do you visit Paris? Every week. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. What what else is there to do at night? Just get there, walk along the Seine. I mean, there are like people singing, dancing. It starts. It starts from Thursdays and it goes on till Sundays, and it's amazing. Especially okay. during the summer, it's like when when you don't have to wear big jackets and stuff. Like you see a lot of things happening in in the zone one and two between the twenty districts of Paris. Okay, so uh, so you're there. You're going there every week. What 
what do you enjoy doing when you, when you're there? And like, what, uh, what are your favorite things to do? Hmm. Okay. So, uh, I go out with my friends. Uh, so it's like, we're a bunch of people, five, six people. Okay. And like none of them study physics. So it's like a diverse group. Yeah. So we share uh, what, what we, what we were doing the past week and stuff like that stories. So we go there. Uh, so we separated to different aspects. So if, if one week we are just walking from, from along the Seine or along any other uh, places, parks and stuff, because you have a lot of parks in Paris. And the other week we try to switch it. We try to visit museums. We try to visit art yeah. galleries. And there are a lot of fun things to do because if you really know the places, mm -hmm. which you will after three or four months, you can find out a lot of like uh, art openings which okay. are free, free to enter for everyone. And there, I mean, when you go there, and for me especially, I meet a group of people who who have a thought process which is completely different than mine okay. because of because of the field that I am in. So I go there and I, I interact with them and I get to know a lot more about the other side of the world, as you can say. Yeah. And and like it's 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 a rich experience for me. So I always do that, like at least monthly once. It's like okay. one week. Either I I, I try uh, to go on Saturday evenings, and somehow I find an art gallery opening somewhere. It's like okay. a, a new young budding artist is opening his gallery, or even design. It's like designing with clothes, designing and stuff. Because I have a friend here who's studying his masters in fashion designing. Okay. So I mean, he knows all the right places there. So. We just go there, try to find some, we get in and we just spend three or four hours there chatting with like a different kind of people. And it's so much fun. Really? So you'll go to these art openings and then you just kind of like meet people. And what you're saying, uh, they're coming from like a different discipline than you, which helps kind of like broaden your perspective and application of things you're learning, right? Exactly. Because during the weekdays, it's about all about physics and meeting people with like of my same background. Yeah. So this is like a fun and new experience like for me to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, we were saying uh, off, off our recording that I, I've been there January, 2020. Um, mm -hmm. So it was colder. It wasn't the summer, like, like you were mentioning, but my favorite place was uh, uh, Montmartre or was it? Yeah. Montmartre. Montmartre. Yeah. It's yeah. The Sacre where you have that big white church. Yeah. And from there at night, you can see like the entire Paris around. It's like such a photogenic place. Yeah. I, I love that the history of the area too. A lot of like the impressionists would hang out there. It, it mm -hmm. feels like a more like relaxed vibe and just kind of, <laughs> kind of fun. Um, yeah. I mean, Parisian people in itself, it's like, I'm amazed to see the contrast in the work culture between the Indian, uh, where I have been and where I'm seeing it's like, nine to five and after five they'll send you an automated message saying that whatever it is you need you can contact me tomorrow morning <laughs> yeah and, and let's I, let's dive into this this was like yeah. the most i i have my experiences as an american and i approach my life uh raised by american culture and while i'm there like i was saying uh earlier i was working on my book uh, primary ponderings right so i just yeah. want to be in coffee shops 
like the entire day or like, <laughs> like, like I'm there working too. Like it's a working vacation and I'm thinking I'm going to go to Paris. They have all these cafes. I'll go to these cafes. I'll hop around from cafes and just like work, use internet at Wi-Fi and just yeah. work. Right. Well, the cafes are not set up like American coffee <laughs> shops where in American coffee shops, it is like wide open. You got a big table to yourself. You got all this space, great Wi-Fi uh, outlets everywhere. And it's open uh, late here in Chicago. You know, you can find places, you know, uh, 8 p.m. midnight uh, in New mm. York. It's it's like some can be open even later. Go to Paris. They're, they're shutting down at like three <laughs> or four. And then like, I'm like, come on, I, I want to work. Like, what's going on? And uh, yeah, and then you just walk around. The cafe is closed. And then everybody's just drinking wine and smoking cigarettes out on the, like, <laughs> the front of the, the cafes. Uh, so I'll tell you about the work culture here of a typical Parisian. Okay. I mean, I'm trying to be more like them now, but, you know, the Indian side brings me back, but I'll explain. I feel so, like the, the uh, Indian culture and American culture are similar in this sense, right? Similar. It's yeah. Like, we we work our asses off. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay, so the Parisian culture, if it's a nine to five job, there is no uh, you can just come by ten, which people do normally, mm-hmm. and they work till twelve. Work means for the first half an hour it goes by greeting everyone because I mean they are really respectful and and they greet okay. and uh, say thank you a lot, say thank you please yeah. and like greetings a lot. So the first half an hour goes by like this. Then they work for an hour and a half. And around 12, 12.30, it's like a lunch break for them. So they go out, have like a casual three-hour lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I am not exaggerating this. I am not kidding. This is true. And uh, at around three, they come back, maybe relax a bit, work for two or three hours. And at around between five to six, they leave. And as I said, after when they leave, they they switch on this automated system. And I have experienced this even with, with the people that I work with, that if I need something, because sometimes if I need to finish my work, I stay till seven or eight and I yeah. want to do what I want. So if I need to get some data from, from my externals, I'm sending them an email and I realize that I get an email autom- instantly. And I was like, okay, they respond instantly. And then, but it's an automated message that says, you know what? I mean, my work today is over. You can contact me tomorrow. If it's really urgent, you can contact me through phone, which they, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, that's how they go with it. And, and uh, after six for them, it's like, uh, as you said, they go to uh, bars and pubs and they drink. They just have like, uh, take a glass of wine or just a glass of beer sit at the bar and talk with people for three, four hours with just that one class of beer. And I'm learning. Huh. I mean, just just that one glass because it's like, it's more about the conversation for them rather than okay. drinking itself. But huh. so that that's like a typical day, typical weekday for a Parisian. Uh, kind of piggy, piggybacking off of that type of culture. What do you notice about people uh, and their smartphones, you know, you talked about people will sit down and it's about the conversation. It's about, you know, um, meeting with that person and, and 
that experience, do you find that people, are they on their phones a lot or no? I would say that uh, they're a bit more old school when compared to us, because our cultures resembles, our work cultures resembles a bit. So uh, of course, I, I won't say that they won't look at their phones at all, but I would say statistically or like to quantify it, maybe they are 50% lower the, uh, okay. uh, lower probability to look at their phones yeah as far as i've seen mm. because one thing in europe it's like they don't use whatsapp so often unless you are like in an academic background or something so it's okay. like just direct messages to them or maybe okay. uh, the millennials might use snapchat a bit more but even with millennials what i see is that uh, they don't use their phone a lot if they are really like conversing with someone and and that's yeah. kind of astonishing and, and and good to see that yeah. they converse with each other what about when you go uh on public transportation or like on the train in paris like are people yeah. on their phones a lot or have headphones in how does that look like more than phones i've noticed that people have a book with them so it's okay. either kindle so it's like yeah, if you if you say if you see a hundred people probably 20 are with the phones Okay. And you can eliminate the like 10 or 15 of them for some other activities, but like 50% of them have either a Kindle or a book in their hand and they read it. Really? Yeah. And that encouraged me to start doing things like that, but I couldn't follow. I mean, come on. <laughs> it, it's really hard for me to continue that process. I, I did that for like a day or two, but after that, it's like, let me listen to some songs or talk with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what do you think about the fashion in Paris? I guess it's called the, the best fashion city for sort like a reason. Uh, uh, people don't make effort in looking good, looking fashionable. But you can see that when you when you see the when you see a group of people, they'll just look casual, but they would have put a lot of thought in it to actually look casual because it it somehow matches. And uh, I I kind of completely changed my wardrobe based on this because as as again, uh, it's like completely different than what I wear in India. Not just because of the weather, it's because like each and every day you see people with like different contrasts and and everything matches perfectly. And Mm -hmm. I would say that everyone takes care of themselves really well Okay. And like, they put a lot of thought in their dressing. And and it says a lot about them too. Say that again? Oh, no. I, I was just saying that by, by the way people dress, it says a lot lot about their character itself. And Parisian yeah. people, they, they look after themselves really well. And it's so, like... So has that influenced your wardrobe? Yeah, I would say like yeah. kind of, but the, the expense also matters here. So yeah. I'll try to uh, create a balance between the expense and uh, the way my wardrobe looks. So no, like yeah. half Parisian, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the concept of pullovers and like, uh, you know, uh, car- cargo pants and like even cotton pants, with which has like uh, streaks in them. Okay. It's, it's like a common fashion here uh, if you go to work. And about the white sneakers, we never wear them in India. And it's it's like a 
it, it's so common out in here, especially in summer. For the okay. four or five months, if you have like uh, your ankles shown and the white sneakers that you have and the street-lined pants and a pullover, that's it. You're a Parisian. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh, you're a you're a Barcelona fan, right? For oh yeah, I love the team. So how how did I, you become a fan of the team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people in India they love cricket. I know that you have you heard of cricket, the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, India doesn't have. I mean, right now they have, the football fan following is growing a bit. Okay. But when I was in my college, it, it was solely on the influence from my friends. So mm. I mean, they started watching football. We played some, and uh, at that point, I didn't know much about it, but. Barcelona were the team who were winning at that yeah. point because they had like great players like Messi, Neymar, Suarez. So what year is this that you started getting into FC Barcelona? You know, 2014, when oh, okay. Barcelona were at, at their peak because they won the Champions League in 2015. Yeah. And with that team, they, mean, they were completely invincible, especially the front three. So I was like, okay. I fell in love with them. And... Uh, I like the style of the play. It's like possession football. What? What? Uh, okay. I mean, do you follow football? Because I don't uh, want to get into a little, specifics. A little bit. I'm mm-hmm. vaguely familiar. Uh-huh. Because uh, unlike others, Barcelona play like a different style of football where they count. They don't counter attack, but they play a possession style of football. Okay. And that that was followed only by like two or three top teams at that point, and it was good when I started following it and all, but now now it's like a, <laughs> almost two, three years of Barcelona's decline. They're starting to rise again, so it's it's a good thing okay. now. But it was it was a struggle for me like for the past two, three years to see them lose all the Champions League matches. Yeah. Have you gone to a, <laughs> a Barcelona game? No, not yet. I mean surprisingly Spain and Italy are two countries on my bucket list. I have okay. been to like four or five other European countries, but I've never visited these two countries. Like going to Camp okay. Nou, the Barcelona stadium, mm-hmm. is like a dream for me. Okay. I mean, I was uh, regretting that Messi left Barcelona, but right now he's in Paris. So I have, I've not been to a match yet. I was uh, about okay. to book the Champions League match for PSG mm-hmm. uh, for the semifinals, but they got knocked out in the quarterfinals. And it's a pity. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and even with with a really good team, so it's yeah. okay. I mean, I'll somehow try to see a match with Messi in it. That's like my first aim, and the second is to watch this current young group of Barcelona boys in at yeah. Camp Nou. Interesting, because they are re- rekindling the style of like the possession style of play again, and with with the with a new coach Xavi, who was like their player in twenty fourteen. So and then he retired, oh, really? and after five six years, he's like a club legend. So he came back, and within like two hundred days, he has like completely transformed the Barcelona team. You you see, like the average age of the players is only around twenty. Mm. So and all are homegrown players. So they are from the Barca Youth Academy. Okay. So it's like how it's he's rebuilding the foundation as how I would call. And recently, like a week back, they had a match with Real Madrid. You know how strong Real Madrid are, mm-hmm. and uh, like for the past two and a half years, Barcelona have hasn't won against Real, 
and the so the last week they beat real 4-0 in uh, real madrid's home and it was an amazing match to watch <laughs> so do you not like madrid then no real madrid yeah <laughs> i mean come yeah. on <laughs> i mean uh, I, i would say like madrid as a place of course i would love to visit it but as a barcelona fan from heart you always have that you know a sense of agony against real madrid yeah um I do have a, I have a Barcelona story. So I So I visited Spain in 2017 and huh. uh I went to Madrid first and uh one of my one of my close friends, he's super into soccer. So I got him a, a Real Madrid hat and a Barcelona hat. But I went to the Real Madrid like official store and they had the like mm-hmm. the Champions League trophies there and Ooh. and things like that. But when I went to Barcelona Uh one of the days and I I didn't plan this. It wasn't intentional, but it was kind of like a a holiday for them, like a local holiday, kind of like Valentine's. So it was a Sunday and um I was out and about in Barcelona and uh they what they do is they they have like roses, they have like tables all around the city and like young young people are like at these tables and they're selling roses you can buy uh for for your loved ones and things like that and you see the um like the local flag that they always do but then at night they had uh El Clasico so oh that's like the rivalry <laughs> so uh it was playing in Madrid but I was in Barcelona and uh so I went to this American bar and uh it was like like it was like American themed So it was it was set up like a like a stock exchange where the prices of the uh the beers and everything would fluctuate based on supply and demand at the at the moment. Ooh. So mm-hmm. like the the menu would be like a stock ticker and, and uh <laughs> but so we were watching the game there and it was packed and uh it happened that Messi scored uh the winning goal within the last minute. The last minute of the game. Yeah. It was three two, right? Like yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. remember. So amazing match. Everybody went wild, and then uh, <laughs> you leave. You leave the the bar, and everybody's out on the streets, and there's like a mob of people doing all these chants and celebrating. And I'm like in the middle of it. I'm like, whoa, this is wild. <laughs> and you, yeah, you walk, and then there's like um, like murals of of Messi that I saw, and. Uh, It was like it was like one of the most incredible days of my life and uh wow it was crazy I mean, that that like that happened and like Messi and just the whole thing was pretty pretty cool. <laughs> you know that match was like a significant one because like Real were leading in the title race and Barcelona had to win against Real otherwise they were out of the title race. And uh, okay. So like for Barcelona to score in the 90th minute and Messi to score was yeah. like an icing on the cake. And I guess he has removed his t-shirts and showed it to yeah, the mother. Yeah, that's the one. That that's the one, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was a very that's magical amazing. night. And and you being at Barcelona at that moment, like yeah, you, <laughs> it's pretty wild. Wow, <laughs> Barcelona is definitely on my bucket list. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna uh, just for the atmosphere of the stadium because it's like one of the biggest stadium ever, okay. with like almost one lakh. I would say like 0.1 million people in capacity to sit there Ooh. with the full crowd. Yeah. You should watch the Barcelona match. Yeah, 
That's <laughs> Barcelona is a fantastic city. It's probably of all the cities I've gone to, it's probably like one of my favorites. Like well, probably yeah. the favorite. It's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right there in the Mediterranean and oh, the architecture yeah. and history and just oh, it's pretty great. <laughs> I was planning to visit Portugal this summer, but like you're rekindling my interest in go visiting Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, Bar- Barcelona is cool. Uh, are you following then like World Cup stuff? Yeah. Okay. Obviously, and and it's yeah next year. No, this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. Year. Who's who's the favorite right now? Of course, it's France. They won the World Cup last yeah. year, and they have like. Around 30, 40 players who are really good and who play like in the first division, which means like oh. even their C team, the third third team that they build mm-hmm. will compete for the World Cup. So France is really strong. And uh, but I guess it's like a curse, right? Like once you win a World Cup, the next World Cup, you won't perform it's, that well. Yeah, it's it's tough to, to repeat. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, getting uh, switching gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you talked about initially, um, you know, studying physics, what, what was like the initial spark of interest in the subject? Spark of interest. As I said, uh, like, uh, it's about, uh, I, I learned electronics. So I learned all the circuitry and the other stuff, which I wanted, but I wanted to know why these things happen, you know, and mm-hmm. physics gave me the reason for it. So yeah. if, if there is an equation called like, you know, the basic one, Ohm's law, okay. where you talk about potential and the current, but electronics just mentions that equation and asks you to build a circuit from that. But the physics tells you the reason of why the V, the voltage is directly proportional to the current in there. Okay. I mean, so I, I mean, basically, I had a curiosity of understanding why these things happen, and that led me to explore more in the field of physics, and especially semiconductors, because everything, every digital circuit that we study, it's based on semiconductors and and the basic p-n junction that we have. Elaborate more on semiconductors. So we live in the the 21st century where electronics is, is like everything, right? Explain the importance and significance of semiconductors. When you say electronics, what do you mean? You mean circuits, right? You mean digital circuits everywhere. You mean like any kind of small device that like when accelerated or given a potential will do something extraordinarily out of its reach. Yeah. And so, but the circuit, when you see from the outside, it's well polished and it's like, it's just a metal. Mm-hmm. But the metal are just the contacts. I mean, the thing that makes it magical or the thing that lets it do these magical things are semiconductors. So it's like what's inside them is like a chip, a small chip, which is just like nanometers in size, nanometers or microns in size, which you can't see with the naked eye itself sometimes. I mean, you can see with the naked eye, but it's like you can't interpret those with the naked eyes. And these small chips or these small junctions of small materials, 
you can see junctions of 10 films 10 films and when i mean 10 i mean in nanometers these are the ones these are the ones which have certain properties because they are not made of like common materials they are made of non abundant materials in in the world in our world and that has some certain optical and electronic properties that can be used to you know charge or activate these circuits and hence with some more logics if you add into it these circuits do what they do and so it's like since i told you that for me it's like what happens behind everything that's that's the curiosity and that's why i took physics and if i'm interested in electronic circuits then i need to be interested in what's happening inside it and what's what's the basis of it and the basis of electronics are semiconductors and that's why i took it and that's why i wanted to know more about it so the, the semiconductors are materials that have certain properties that aren't abundant in the world right no the semiconductors in itself are materials that aren't abundant and then they have certain properties okay so it's like yeah so how so the semiconductors are extremely valuable right yeah but it depends on the semiconductor too some are really abundant like silicon is a semiconductor which we use for solar cells and it's really abundant but it also has like certain fantastic properties but there are others who are like really non existent i mean you have to like dig it into caves and find these materials <laughs> like uh, some are even radioactive and then if you combine these materials you get something really awesome and and that's uh, that dep- uh, that's why s- some circuits or some electronics are really costly because they have certain functionalities that depends on these semiconductors okay. just finding these semiconductors is really hard it's really a a cruel some process so can we is there another avenue where we can invent these semiconductors based on elements on the periodic table that's where i come in that's, that's oh, okay it's <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's like instead of just choosing one element or one material my work is to combine two or three different elements and make a compound so if you combine elements or materials it's a compound so i combine materials i combine gallium and you you must know gallium from the table from the yeah. periodic table and you you know nitrogen of course so what i do is i combine gallium and nitrogen from the periodic table and my work is to combine them like develop a process to combine them because people know like even in your smartphones and all for all the sensors that you use the chip inside is gallium nitride so it's like a combination of gallium and nitrogen so for okay. for that it's like the optical properties of gallium nitride is extremely valuable and mm. and i am developing a process which is based on plasma to grow these films like i have gallium separately i have nitrogen separately and with pl- with a plasma process and with a reactor that i'm currently designing i somehow am able to grow thin films which are like nanometers in size wow and these thin films are gallium nitride and if you combine or if you like combine these films with silicon 
or like any other suitable material based on the application that you want to use, then it will give you the output. So again, basically at the end, you just see like a black circuitry chip, but inside is like gallium nitride. And I help to grow this gallium nitride. So it's like I, I, I'm helping to develop a new process to grow this gallium nitride, which is like low cost and low, low. I mean, it's effective because right now to grow gallium nitride, people literally spend millions and I have brought it down to 50K, 50K US dollars or euros. Really? I've, I've built a reactor, which, I mean, the cost of the reactor is 50K, but if you consider the uh, miscellaneous and the logics apart, it must be like 70 or 80K, but it's still like 10 times less than what people use to grow gallium nitride. And with this, uh, my work, my first, first year of my PhD was to develop this reactor and to grow, but now it's to optimize the material to achieve the highest quality that uh, like market or industry comparable quality of gallium nitride I can get. So you, when you say developed the uh, reactor, what do you mean by that? It means that I built it from a scratch. So when I started my PhD, I mean, I opened my lab and there was an empty room. <laughs> But it's like me, with, along with my supervisor, we des designed a plan to like, we bought equipments from the, uh, we first built a 3D model on how our reactor should be and what process are we using. And then we ordered the parts from uh, companies. You know, there are a lot of plasma and vacuum based companies from which you can order the parts that you designed through uh, either like SolidWorks and you must be knowing SolidWorks. What is it? Sonic works? Solid, solid works. It's like a CAD, AutoCAD models where you can build 3D models with like really good precision. So, so you build models, you go to companies and you say that you want these models for you and you want like physical uh, parts for you and they, and they assess the model on how good it is and how feasible it is. And then they give you these parts and then you assemble these parts and then you build a reactor. And with this reactor, you I mean, there is a physical process on how you grow the material in this reactor. Mm -hmm. And we study this process and we try to grow the material with the reactor. And I hope I'm not going too much into the physics side in here. No, I've been uh, uh, to, to be uh, transparent with you. I've been like, I've been, I've been, I've been on this like journey in life of like curiosity and self-discovery and I can't, I can't explain the things that are happening to me <laughs> and in my life, but I've been having more and more conversations on the podcast with scientists, engineers, physicists, and it's led me to physics and learning more about physics. So I've been like studying, uh, What's this book I have here? Like quantum theory. I've been learning oh, about fun. quantum theory. Fun. Fun, exactly. Yeah. And I'm I'm like getting kind of the answers the, of the questions that I've had. And uh, like, I'm very curious about like the future and the 21st century and like, like what is all going on. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of familiar with like, 
some of these terms that you're using. Uh, are you using a quantum computer? No. Okay. Where would but that come into play then? Like quantum I have computing? the quantum computing is like a completely, I mean, it uses semiconductors, of course. It okay. uses gold as a material and other yeah. semiconductors. And even gallium nitride is being used in it. But it, it again talks about the application part of it, you know. But I am in the process part, like it's way below the application part. Okay, like wait, if so you, if you, yeah, yeah. Elaborate, elaborate, elaborate on like uh, you said the process part and then the, the what part? The uh, application part. Application. So one, quantum computing is used for solving complex mathematical equations, which cannot be solved by a normal computer, right? Like if a normal computer, if you give it a problem of probability and statistics, and if you ask it to solve like any one of the millennial problems in mathematics, it will take like, I mean, I have visited a quantum computer in Sweden. So I'm, I know a bit, bit about this, so I'm saying it. It's like, it'll take 350 years to solve a complex problem but with the quantum computer, you can solve it in five minutes. <laughs> because it has, it has the number of iterations that it does per second. I mean, it's I mean, in, uh, incomparable to what, what a normal computer does. It's not just about course, it's just about assuming the binary data. And there are millions of binary data that the computer, that your normal computer processes, right? Mm -hmm. and just imagine that these binary datas are just transformed into a wave. Instead of zeros and ones, you have wave. And imagine like Im instead of millions of data, you just have a line describing what's happening to your equation. And this line is connected between two entangled states. I, I know that I'm going into the physics deep just a bit, but it's about uh, eliminating numbers because each number has a memory. All right, like binary. So then data. it's so then it's less data to process. Exactly, exactly. It's like it simplifies the number amount of data that you have to process. But then again, it's like completely different from my field. Although I know a bit about it, but I'm not the master in it to explain to you a lot. So that's the application. You're in the process of creating process. So, those okay. semiconductors that can create those things. Exactly. Okay. So if, if, if I can create some logics in the application part of the quantum computer that says like, if I want to solve this equation, I want this, but how does it do it? Because it has all of these super chips and stuff and the cryogenic cooling and stuff. But what are these super chips? These super chips are nothing but digital circuits. What are these digital circuits? They are nothing but PN junction, and you must know about PN junction. And what are these PN junctions inside these circuits? They're just small, thin films of certain materials. And these materials are gallium nitride. And how are these thin, thin films grown? Do you just place them together? No, you, you use a process to grow them, and I'm working on the process to grow them. So it's like, I guess you cannot go below, if you create an, a hierarchy, processing of these thin films come first. So I'm like in the first basic step and yeah. there is no other level that is below my step. 
Wow. And That's I hope, awesome. I, <laughs> I hope I was like clear enough for you. Yeah, I, I get the gist of it. Can you um can you give me or provide uh, a basic summary of what quantum theory is? Basic summary of quantum theory. Okay. Quantum theory is about quantifying whether and whether something can exist in two spaces at the same time. So it's about whether you can entangle any particle from one space to another without disturbing the particle at the first point. So it's like, do you have any unknown connection that exists in the world? I'm going philosophical here, but stay with me. Do you have any unknown connection that exists? I mean, any relation between these two particles? And when I mean particles, I mean photons, light. And so that when you disturb one of this particle, the other has the same frequency of the disturbance. And if it, if it does, then you can just halve your data entirely because whatever this photon feels, the other photon feels the same. And the way to chart the relation between one photon and the other photon is called entanglement. And the way how entanglement occurs is explained by quantum theory. So in uh, simpler terms. Okay. So it means, it's it, like, it's infinity, right? In a way, like if something exists over here, it could also exist here and here and here and here and here. Yeah. It, uh, it's infinity, but within a boundary. I know that it's a, it's a bit weird because when we use entangled states, when we just imagine a thread, thread connecting two beads or like two particles, two small beads. Okay. And so this thread exists, right? So the way in which you, you just disturb one particle, the information travels along this thread to, to the other part. But what happens with photons? Photons are light. And the main thing, the, the one main thing that quantum theory explains is like photon, we consider it as a particle, but it's just like a radiation. So basically, it's like if you disturb one photon, does the radiation of that photon travel far enough to the other photon so that it receives the same information? So it's like disturbing two things looking for a relation between them and and finding finding the relation and and quantifying them as entangled states it's like if you flip one photon does the other one flip if yes i mean if 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 it's as simple as a yes then quantum theory is like i've proved quantum theory and i'm god but i'm not <laughs> could you give an analogy of it Without, without the scientific terms of like photon entanglement particles, like okay. uh, yeah, a okay, like so basic basic yeah. ones. Again, beads and threads. 
quantum theory suggests that there exists a relationship between two, these two beads that if you disturb or if you flip one bead the other bead flips too and if the other bead doesn't flip then these two beads were originally not formed together it's like they don't have the same properties okay what about what about using biological things like say uh like animals or humans can you, can you give an analogy using <laughs> that animals or humans uh no, i have no idea based on that <laughs> <laughs> those parameters but i've explained quantum theory to you as far as i know about it okay so i'm not an expert on it but like as far as i understood from lectures and like from from seeing youtube videos it's about finding a relation between two similar similar any it's not just a particle between two similar uh, entities yeah entities is a good way to call them because photons are not particles right finding a relation between two entities by creating an abnormality on one entity and seeing whether the same abnormality exists on the other entity How many fields of study are there in physics? I guess there are lots. I mean, if if I start numbering them, then I would certainly miss some, but I would I, I would tell you as far as I know. There is the field of plasmas which I work on. And when you say plasma, what do you mean? That's like a, a like a film or plasma, a... you know the process that I said to grow gallium nitride. So yeah. I use plasma and plasma is basically the fourth state of matter and uh, unlike air water or like uh, any solid particles uh, all of all of the solid particles or any like air that we have it consists of atoms and when these atoms get excited they form ions right like okay. they form their excited species and plasma basically consists of ions rather than atoms so it's like if the air that you're breathing is oxygen right o2 yeah. and this o2 exists in a state of a bond between o and o and this o is an atom so it's like properly bound and it's not excited it's in this ground state but what happens when this oxygen is excited it breaks the bond and it exists as a separate ion and plasma is basically when you heat like air or gas so strong or like you create a potential between this gas so that the atoms or the electrons inside the atoms they have enough energy to get excited and these atoms are formed like they form ions and plasma basically consists of ions huh. interesting so and to know like how i develop or like uh, grow this gallium nitride is like i introduce nitrogen gas in my chamber and i create a magnetic field and this field is strong enough 
and I explained to you before, plasma is only formed when you have ions and not atoms in a ground state. So this nitrogen is there. And because of the field that I create, this nitrogen atom breaks and it forms ions of nitrogen. And these mm. ions, like along with gallium ions, they just have enough energy to go to a certain area and like bombard. And when this okay. gallium and nitrogen ion bombard together, they form gallium nitride. Huh. And that happens basically in the plasma. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we got plasma. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot there for me. <laughs> Think about. But you can just like plasmas, like uh, visually, it's fascinating. When you see a plasma, it's like like a bright glow. I mean, you you can just uh, use Google to search for plasmas and stuff. Like, it's like a field of its own. But coming back to the question that you asked, fields of physics. So we have plasma. Okay. And we have semiconductor physics, which is obvious. We have nuclear physics. And we have computational physics, which is like more on the math. And we have uh, like, Physics, physics, physics. Yeah, and we have theoretical physics, which talks a lot about like, uh, string theories and stuff like that. Like uh, existence of why well, existence of everything in the world. I mean, Stephen Hawking and all of the famous physicists, like they revolve around this theoretical physics concept. Then comes the processing and the application part. Yeah, it's uh, it isn't boring you too much with physics, no? No, it's excited me. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay, so what, uh, what technology possibilities excite you most for the future? Technology, I guess to be, to be a bit childish, I would say, uh, teleportation or like. If it really exists, and even, yeah, I mean, teleportation is my first. It would be amazing. And I have read some stuff about it. It's like, you know, the theory where Einstein's theory of particle can neither be created nor destroyed, like energy can neither be yeah. created nor destroyed, right? Uh, and I believe that we are all like just a bunch of, energy in yeah. here right and what if this energy can be stored in some form and then brought back to another place another form it's like shrink the energy but maintain the 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 information inside it so it's like energy yeah. with some form of information creates me right see but that's that's the hard part about this right is like you would have to take this energy, like disassemble it and then put it huh. back together. And like, just the idea of that, I bet a lot of information will get lost in that process. How do yeah. you retain that? That's the curiosity, right? Yeah. I mean, if you can, then 
I mean, that's the best the best thing of the like, entire generation of us. But I, I'd say like uh, it's a distant possibility, but I would love for it to happen. Do like, you think? Do you think within five hundred years, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the airports that we use today, per se, mm-hmm. could you see them becoming hubs where you go there? And there's like a, a booth or whatever device it may be. And it's like regular, like and it's individually? like instead of getting on a physical plane and flying and spending that time on that plane, flying and going through all those logistics, it's regulated through the airport and entities where you go into this thing and then like teleportation happens and then you show up at the airport or port of the other country where you're visiting. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be amazing, right? <laughs> Maybe not in, our, not in our lifetime, most likely, but yeah, like 500 years from now. It can happen because like even phones and air travel was like a distant possibility around 300 years ago. And people never thought that so much things would happen. So we never know. I mean, yeah. someone brilliant enough might find a solution for that. But of course, before that, a lot of catastrophic events will happen and people won't agree <laughs> because like there should be some test subjects, you know, yeah. whose energy is created or like whose energy is disintegrated and put back again. But yeah, it, it's a possibility, you would say. But I would, I would be optimistic about it in 500 years. That's a good timeline. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good bet, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess before that, robots would would kind of start uh, taking over the world and ruling us, you know, with this AI just being really growing fast. I'm, I am pretty scared of what like uh, robots can learn. Mm. It's like if that doesn't happen and if humanity still exists in 500 years, I'm pretty sure that teleportation will also exist. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. What uh, what role do you see physicists playing in the twenty first century? Physicists, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a contradiction of what I'm gonna say, like the entire field that I'm currently in. But I say the role of physicists is to explain why things are happening, right? Mm-hmm. Is to explain any concept that's happening in the world, and as you know. As the centuries go by, you have less and less things to explain because it has been explained by others. So mm. it's like if you if you look at the field that I'm currently doing, like if I did the same or if I did like 5% of the work 100 years ago, I would have got a Nobel for it. But like at that point, people didn't know that cadmium existed. People didn't know that nitrogen existed. But you see the contrast of how it is yeah. now. Right now, just finding gallium and nitrogen and combining together in a plasma is not so big a deal. Mm-hmm. Probably 100 years later, the concept that we find significant now is not. So physicists, the role of engineers and the role of architects would be would be even more than the role of physicists. And that's what I feel because, of course, there would be new, new concepts to explain, but the concepts would be harder and that would be lesser 
they would be lesser than than it is now because every day you you see the explanation of something that was unsolved before so we're we're hitting a point in the world or the human story where it's it's less it's just common to now like discover things because we're like compounding on the successes of of prior discoveries and yeah. we're are we just going to be like inventing more and like creating more or inventing more uh, we would be inventing more but we wouldn't be or efficient more so we're not discovering we're not we're, Okay, yeah, so we're not discovering, but we're like inventing. See, okay. discovery needs physicists, and inventing needs engineers because they have okay. the discovery behind them. And that's yeah. why I say, like for example, if you see if if Einstein, uh, his light particle uh, interaction and his theory, which he postulated like a hundred years ago, I mean that still exists. and if you see all of the concepts that we study in school right now none of it is from a famous physicist like 5 years ago it's all about like what was done 60 70 years ago because that formed the base yeah and what's happening new right now apart from stephen hawking's like a brief history of time which was like 15 years ago and that's the latest that i'm talking about okay. in the past 5 years have you known any groundbreaking physics that happened no they're just building upon stuff that was already postulated yeah. and that's that's my concern in here so we we certainly have lesser discoveries but we have more inventions because discoveries are like the base of anything mm-hmm. and i feel that uh, like the basis i mean for finding a base like the saturation point is nearing so so we're just going to become more and more efficient with our creating and uh exactly it's everything is going to become bigger and cheaper to make uh-huh. right like like we have we have an imagination of what we want to create <laughs> and we already know like the stuff behind it we just have to figure out how to do it the process in doing it and how to do it cheaply right yeah exactly So it's like there's only so much to find out in this earth and right now with that technology I mean just as an example you you know the periodic table you know the elements in it I mean how many elements have been found recently they just work with the, the ones that they have found because in the earth <laughs> there is no nothing more to find So is that Maybe why we're excited for a space exploration maybe yeah i mean yeah. that could be another solution for more discoveries but as i said in our generation that's yeah pretty much impossible <laughs> yeah wild stuff i love this yeah yeah it's good to talk about this yeah for sure uh kind of some some last questions here sure. uh, to wrap to wrap up the uh conversation Do you are there like three people or or things that have influenced your outlook on life? People. Is it just people or can I also say any events or books or stuff? It's 
totally up to you. Events, oh. stuff, books, medium of arts, whatever it may be. Okay. People. <clears throat> As I've mentioned already, his name twice in this conversation, Stephen Hawking. Okay. I mean, his field is completely different from mine, but I always consider him an inspiration because because of the challenges that he faced and still managed to uh discover something that is extraordinary that is like uh, i mean he explains the creation i mean the start of the big bang theory and the start of the universe and with with all of his uh, you know all of his struggles I mean, you've seen the movie the theory of everything right i'm hoping i have not yet oh my god you have to see it because <laughs> I mean it just doesn't explain about the physics it's it's about his life and okay. that is like one of my favorite movies and I consider him as a role model for me I consider okay. him the dedication that he had towards his field and the love more than ed- the dedication the love that he had towards physics yeah. and the field and probably that's like one of the reason that I chose physics which I didn't mention earlier but yeah I I could call that a driving force wow and that's one steven hawking and uh, when i say any other stuff it's books and this was recent like 4 3 4 years ago and you, you must know about this book uh, by mark manson like the subtle art of not giving a fuck i i started reading that book and then i was yeah. like this book isn't uh, for me and then i put it, put it away <laughs> But for me, I mean, it depends on people. So I know it, it totally depends on the individual. Totally. Yeah. I get what he's saying, though. Yeah, it's some people, even my friends, uh, when they read the book, they feel that he's just stating facts and he's not saying anything new. But for me, it was about my my character uh, was like uh, to give a lot of attention to what was happening around me and like what people thought of me. and that kind of hindered my growth a lot from my okay. bachelor's to my masters and and when i read his book for me uh, it was more about self realization through mm-hmm. a book yes yeah. like those are the things that i've already known but like for another person to explain those things meant that okay there are people in this world who are facing such issues and there is a way to come out of it So it's like a moral booster and like a life example. Mm. So that book kind of helped me a lot and like I know that for people who don't face with such issues for them it's it's like okay he's just stating the facts so it might not be interesting so I'm not like blaming you at this point for not liking <laughs> the book. <laughs> well what that's what's so great about books is that it's books can reach different types of people. you know like for every mark manson book there's equally another book that might reach me in the same type of way that you're talking about but it's just yeah uh assembled differently you know and said mm-hmm. differently yeah mm-hmm. well that's that's kind of amazing about books yeah uh, nice okay yeah. the third thing yeah i need to think about it i'm not like spontaneously i couldn't think about anything so okay. like I I want to be true to myself so I don't want to just tell any reason that, that that comes to mind so if we can have a chat later then and if I have re- something in my mind really I would explain yeah, that but sure. right now I only have two 
Are there uh, three musical artists in your heavy rotation right now? Let me check my Prime Video, <laughs> the music. <laughs> How do you listen to music? Uh, it's Amazon. It's through app. Amazon Music. Interesting. Yeah. What do you follow? I do Spotify. Spotify? Yeah, Spotify. Spotify is popular here too, but I've been using Amazon for a long time. So. Yeah. Okay, so I have Fallout Boy. Do you know them? Yeah. Oh, I love them because, like, especially in the gym, the pump that I get from those songs <laughs> yeah, with for sure. good beats, it's amazing. And uh, yeah, basically, when I study, or like when I'm in like a calming mood, I listen to instrumental musics from Hans okay. Zimmer. You know. Yep. Uh, so, uh, you you uh, you must know about the Dark Knight, Chevalier de Sangreal from the Da Vinci Code and stuff. Uh, I mean, music from Interstellar, the background plays that he did. It's amazing. Okay. He did Inter- Interstellar too. Yeah, and you should definitely listen to it. So I've suggested you a good one, so don't miss it. Okay. And uh, Linkin Park. Okay, yeah. Linkin Park, I have, I have a lot from the album Living Things. I know I don't know whether you know it, but I basically love all of their songs. Sometimes nice. Alan Walker, but Alan Walker always comes in a phase. You know, if I if I haven't listened to him for six months, then he comes back again for a month. It's who is this? Alan, Alan Walker? Walker. Yeah, it's more like electronic, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so it's like for six months I won't listen to him, and for a month it'll he'll be he'll be the only one in my playlist, and afterwards like I feel bored of him, and then I change it. Like, is that it, interesting with music? How that works like that? Yeah. And yeah. and I I'm that type of a person who if I like a song I just l- keep on listening to it until I'm tired of that song. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally the same. Yeah. And like and you know the worst feeling about that when you listen to to it for the first time you're amazed by it, you know? Yeah. So so you put it on loop, you listen to it the second time, but just when the second time starts, you know that you won't get the get the feel like the first time yeah. and, and for you for me it's like shit i know this process i'm gonna listen to it 20 times and i'm gonna regret it like yeah yeah exactly because <laughs> now it's like you don't have to tune into a radio station and wait every hour to hear that one song you can literally just do it <laughs> like, <Yeah>. on repeat right <laughs> thanks for listening to rich conversations again you can follow lakshman on instagram at lakshman and underscore. Take some time today to look around to see if you can find solutions in unexpected places. We all have different problems or issues that we're dealing with and we're working on. Sometimes taking a step back, listening and becoming aware of things around us can deliver some incredible results. And on that note, have a fantastic day.